Welcome to another sermon from New Bethel Baptist Church. I hope that this sermon will help you to better know who God is, challenge you to grow in your faith, and compel you to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Staying in here today, uh, we're going to be in the book of Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18. Romans 8, starting in verse 18. And So today as we're celebrating and remembering those that um, have... have passed on that are no longer with us, as we've been continuing this series of what is God's will for me, it seemed fitting that today we would look at what is God's will for your hardships. Uh, Because one of the hardest things that we face in life is when we lose those that are dear to us. But the reality is that life is often riddled with many hardships that go beyond simply losing those that we love but things that we face on a daily and weekly and monthly basis, things that are hard for us, things that make life difficult. And at times we can ask and wonder the question, why? Why did this happen? Why, did, why do these things happen? Why are these things happening to me? And so when we look at this, I think the Bible has a lot to say. In Romans chapter 8 in particular, it's a fantastic chapter in a fantastic book filled with many great truths about God and who He is and what His plan and will for our life is. But I think today as we look at Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18, we're going to go through verse 27 to begin with, but we'll get to some later verses later. I think it will help us as we go through what is God's will for your hardship. So let's start there together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly awaits with anticipation for, the son, for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children." For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the firstfruits, we also groan with ourselves, within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes in what he sees? Now if we hope... For what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know the way we ought or know what to pray for, for as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, as we gather here today and we remember those that we lost, as we remember the times in our life and and perhaps times that are right now for some in this room, Lord, that are difficult, the sufferings and the hardships that we face, Lord, I pray that you would be with us this morning, that you would help us to understand how we can interact with the difficult times in our life and and how those things can, can glorify you and ultimately work for our good. God, I pray that you'll be with us and that we will be able to seek you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first thing that we're going to see as we look at this passage is 
in many ways, what he's talking about here, the sufferings of this present time, likely are talking a lot about the persecution that the Christians are facing because of their faith in the Roman Empire. But in many ways, we see that there are sufferings just in general in this life. There are hardships. There are things that happen. And the first way he starts it, the way that he starts this passage is saying that the hardships or the suffering that we are facing are not worth considering. Or for, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. And so what he's saying is, is that this hardships, these sufferings, these things we're going to are going to pale in comparison to what we're going to experience in the glorification and the realization of our hope that we have in Christ. And so it starts off in a very optimistic place. We are suffering. There are hardships. There are difficulties in our life. But what is to come is far greater. But he goes into some depth about this. And then the reality we see from this is that hardship happens. Hardship happens in our life. It's not something that we can avoid. There are many people that spend a lot of their life and a lot of time and energy and even money to avoid hardship from happening. There are people that take and live very risky lives and they encounter a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And there are people that live very risk-averse lives and they don't experience maybe as many highs, but they also don't maybe experience as many lows or at least they try not to. But no matter how you live, no matter what you're trying to do in this life, there are going to be times where bad things happen. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, there are going to be things that happen. We have to realize that there are two kinds of hardships we're going to face. There are external hardships, things that happen that we cannot control. There's nothing we can do. If you get hit by a car on the way home and you're following the, the rules of the road, there's nothing you can do about that. Something else is happening. Maybe these are things that people do to you, someone that comes against you, someone that is after you. Maybe these are un unplanned for and unavoidable accidents. Things that happen that you, you just can't plan for that. You can't expect that that's going to happen. And maybe they're the results of someone else's sin. Someone doing something bad that harms you. An obvious example of this is when someone loses someone at the hands of a drunk driver, someone doing something they should not have been doing that heart hurts someone else. But the other kind of hardship that we face is the one that comes from ourself in our actions, directly or indirectly. Things that we do causing the difficulties that we face. And you may have seen this throughout your life where you see people that are in a situation that's terrible. They've lost everything and they ask, why is this happening to me? Well, it's pretty clear. You lost all of your money because you bet on the wrong horse and it went away because of your poor choices. And so we have this tension. There are hardships that are outside of us that we can't control and they happen to us. There are hardships that are from our own actions or things that we are involved in and, and we experience them largely the same. But the, re the reality we have to understand is that all hardship is a result of sin in the world. We, we see this, how creation itself has been subjected to futility, the, the natural disasters, these things that we see in the world happening are because we live in a fallen world. Death happens because we live in a fallen world. Our sin that causes hardship in our life is 
the cause of the hardship. Sin is the root cause of all hardship that we face because of the fall, because we live in this world. And it's a reality that is difficult and it's hard to navigate. And hardship is both objective and subjective. So what do I mean by that? Hardship is objective. There are things that are objectively worse than others. It is not great to sprain your ankle and not be able to walk very well for a couple weeks. It is worse to have your leg removed, right? There is objective reality in what is worse than other things. It is hard when your child is sick. It is harder to lose a child. But hardship is also subjective. The hardest thing you've experienced is the hardest thing you've experienced. And you have to figure out how to deal with your hardships. And the hardest thing someone else has experienced is the hardest thing they've experienced. It does no good for us to look at someone and say, well, you think that's hard. Let me tell you about what I've been through. We have to realize that as we go through life, we're all going to experience different things and hard things. Different hard things. And we have to be able to navigate those things wherever we may be. We can't look at the life that we're dealing with and struggling with and say, well, you know, someone else has it harder, so these things don't matter. It's good to have the right perspective, but you have to deal with what's going on. It's, it's, what, I, what I mean by that is if you can do that and look at your life and have joy because you realize your life isn't that bad, that's great. But if you are trying to push down things you need to deal with and take to God, that's not good. Because the reality is, is that God is the source of healing. When hardship come, hardships come and when, when difficulty happens, the place we should turn is to God. God is the source of our healing. And so we look at, at the Bible, we see so many examples of this. God is where we should go for help. Psalm 121, 1 through 2 says this, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I want you to think about that statement, that your help comes from the Lord. No matter what you're facing, big or small, you can take it to God. God, the maker of heaven and earth. Think about the example of this that we see with the disciples. When they are on, on the water, and it, there's winds that are raging, and Jesus is asleep. And they go to Jesus, and they say, Lord, help us, we're about to perish. And what does he do? He, stand, he gets up, rebukes the wind and the waves and they're still. And they marvel at this. They're like, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I want you to understand that that is the same God that we go to in our times of trouble. They are being afflicted on all sides by this physical problem, right? This hardship that is because of, of the result of sin in a fallen world, but they didn't do anything other than, I don't, I don't guess they had a forecast. They couldn't open up their phone and see, oh, there's going to be some storms tonight. They go into this storm. They can't control it. They didn't cause it because of their sin. But where do they go? Jesus. And what does He do? He rebukes the wind and the waves, and they're still. The God we go to for help is the one who is the maker of heaven and earth. There is not a thing that we can take to Him that is greater than He is. I'm sure you've experienced that helplessness at some point in life where a friend or a family member comes to you with a problem and you just realize, there's nothing I can do to help them. There's nothing I can do about this. I can't close this wound that they've opened because they, they hit their head. I can't do anything. I have to look outside of myself for help. It's a bad feeling. 
when you realize you're powerless, the God we take our problems to is bigger than every problem we take Him. And we should also remember and take hope in that we don't grieve as others in the world grieve. For the believer who is grieving the loss of a believer, we don't grieve in the same way. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-14 says this, We do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. Today, the, the joy that we have on those that we remember is that we don't grieve those people or grieve for those people in the same way that those in the world grieve they, those they've lost. We know that those who die in Christ, having a faith placed in Him, will be raised with Christ that we will see them again, that there will be a, a point where they are alive again. There is a hope that is to come. We, we grieve what we have lost. We grieve the difficulty that we endure because of the, our loss. But it is not the end for the person that dies in Christ. But whatever it is that we, we see, we, we know that this means and, and shows us. Normally when we talk about our need for evangelism, I usually kind of place that toward the end as a call to action, but this reality that those who grieve in the Lord don't grieve the same way as people without hope, this shows us our need for evangelism because there are people that will die without hope. They will die in their sin, guilty of their sin. They will die, and, and, and when they they will face punishment because of their sin. And so if we want to be able to bring solace to a person who is grieving a loved one, a lost loved one, we have to make sure that we're faithful to their loved one in life and sharing Christ with them. We have to be able to go to the people that we love that are with us today and share the love of Christ with them so that the day they're no longer with us, we don't grieve like the world does without hope, but we know I'm going to see them in eternity as we worship Christ together, as we worship God together. We can live together in eternity. It's a hard thing to face the reality that there are people that will die in their sin. But it should motivate us to want to share our faith with them. And the last reality I want to talk about with hardship happening in our life is that it changes us. Hardship changes us. Any major event in your life, good or bad, is going to have an impact on you as a person. And the first thing that often we see is that hardship changes people for the worse. I'm sure in your life you can think of someone that went through a very difficult thing. And that person, it destroyed them. They weren't the same anymore, but not in a good way. There are people that have something that happens in their life and they are unable to get past that thing. And at times it's hard to blame them, but it, it doesn't just happen and it's difficult for them. It drives them into despair. It drives them into other issues that happen in their life. They don't deal with the issue at hand and turn to other things outside of God instead. 
We have to be aware of that. We have to realize that if, if people deal with hardship, it has to be taken seriously. There are people who lose something, whatever it may be, and they turn to drugs or alcohol or things that are, are a replacement for what God should be doing in their life. They despair and can't continue to live the life that they have. And hardship changes us. And it is hard. We have to be aware of that. But hardship can also change us for the good. And it's hard to think about that. It's, it's a difficult thing to say, but hardship can change us for the good. And it's only by the grace of God. So I want us to look at hardship reimagined. How can we reimagine hardship and how we deal with it in our life so that it won't be something that destroys us and leaves us in despair, but will be something that will ultimately be for our good? So let's look at this. Romans 8, 28. We're picking up where we stopped. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. All things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Now, what I want you to understand now, what I want you to see, is that I, I don't want us to misuse this verse. Because I don't know about you, I, I remember one of the hardest things that Jade and I have had to deal with in our, in our life, in our marriage, is that before we had Eliza, we had a miscarriage. And that's a difficult time. It's a difficult thing. And, and I know that statistically, many people in here have dealt with that same thing. And one of the things that someone very loving and well-meaning said, everything happens for a reason. You heard that or even maybe said that to someone. Well, the, the way that that comes across, and many people try to look at this verse for it, is that as though this has been done for a reason, that this was a, a good thing. So you, you ask, like, why did you discipline your child? I did it for a reason so they would learn, right? The reality is there are things in life that are bad, and they're the result of sin, and they're the result of living in a fallen world. And I, I hesitate to say to someone, everything happens for a reason. What I would rather say is that God can work good out of the worst circumstances. And in the most meaningless things, a, a reason of life going forward can be found. Not that that is the reason it happened. If, if someone dies at the hands of a drunk driver, what is the reason? Someone decided to drink and then drive. That's the reason. From that situation, God can work good things even though it's meaningless. It seems meaningless at face value. So here's what I don't want you to think. Because everything happens for a reason seems to imply that one day you'll say, you know, it's really a very good thing this happened to me. It's a really good thing this very bad thing happened to me. I don't think that's what it means to understand what God's doing in our hard situations. There are times where that happens, right? Where maybe you, you were in a relationship. You think about this with, with young people a lot, where they're in a relationship and, and they're so caught up in it. And then at some point that ends and they look back and like, you know, really that's a good thing that that ended. Oh, it's a really good thing that these friendships ended because I was going the wrong direction. So a, a seemingly bad thing actually was a good thing. That happens. 
But when the worst thing that's ever happened to you happens, I don't think you're ever going to say, it's so good that happened to me. Instead, this is what you'll be able to say when you are able to go to God and have Him to work in the middle of your issues. God has worked a very good thing out of this very bad thing that happened. So that it's, it's acknowledging that bad thing was still a bad thing. But God can work good things out of our bad things. And you've heard these, these phrases before, and in some ways they may be cliche to a point, but they are powerful if you will understand what they mean. It's where our messes in our life become a message going forward. It's where our test becomes a testimony where the trial that you're facing turns into a triumph and where the victim is led into victory. And so the things that are bad, that are difficult, that are happening in our life, when we go to the one that is the maker of heaven and earth, these things can be transformed and turned on their head for good. So how does this happen? An example from my life, I shared about the miscarriage that we had. What astounded me was how many loving brothers and sisters in Christ came to us and said, we went through the same thing. We're here for you. We love you. We're praying for you. People I would have never known had gone through that same thing. They loved us. They poured into us. And in the same way, several years later, when we had a friend that went through the same thing, Jada was able to be there with them, to love them and care for them in the same way that she appreciated people caring for her and also maybe in ways that she wished had been done for her. Because who is the best person to help someone in the middle of their chaos? Someone who's on the other side of it, of the same thing. God works through our hardships for our good, not that the hardship is good. So our hardship develops us. Our hardship develops us. In James 1, 2 through 3, we see this. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience trials, when you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. One of the things that will happen when we face difficulties is that it will help us to grow in our faith. I want you to think about, so tomorrow is Memorial Day. We're celebrating those who've laid down their life for this country. If you've ever met any veterans, or perhaps you are one, who are some of the closest people till death that people have that have been in war together? They're war buddies. Why? Because in the middle of the trenches, those that were with them through that, they bonded to. They, They have this camaraderie that other people just can't quite understand because of what they've gone through together. And so when we're going through something difficult in our life, when we're facing hardship in our life, and we turn to God, and and He sees us through it, man, you love God more. When the disciples turned to Jesus and said, save us, we're about to die, and He saves them, I sure think that they had a different perspective on the Jesus they followed. Because he saw them through their difficulty. When you have to believe God in the hard times, and he sees you through those times, there is a a strengthening of your faith. When you do something you never thought you'd be able to do, and he helps you to do that, you realize your ability is beyond what you thought it was. 
when you're trusting in God. And so our faith will grow when we face trials. When we go through difficulties, our faith in God should grow. Our faith in God, our ability to follow Him, our ability to be obedient to Him should grow. I want you to understand this again. For, for any person that starts doing something, it's hard when you start doing it. Trusting God in the hard times is difficult. Right? When, when, and that's oftentimes, that's still sometimes a bad answer. It's like when, when someone's going through something, well, just trust God. That is what they should do, but you have to help them lead them there. When a person starts to run, think about the, the best runner ever, people that set marathon records. The, be, the first mile or two they ran was probably hard for them when they were young at whatever point. But as they continually did that thing, as they continually sought their goal, those things become easy. And so when we trust God initially in the hard times, He grows us, He grows our capacity and our ability to trust Him even for, to even further extents. So our hardship can develop and produce good for us in, in our lives, as hard as that seems to, to understand at times. But even more than that, at times, our hardship can, can produce an ability to do good for others. I shared about my story about how people invested in us and we were able to invest in others. But I want you to think about the story of Joseph. How he was the beloved son of his father. And his brothers were jealous of him. And so what do they do? They were seeking to murder him and only because one of his brothers was slightly fond of him decided they were going to sell him into slavery instead. And then he is, finds himself into a good household in, in Potiphar's household and has some good responsibilities. And then Potiphar's wife accuses him of something he never did. And so he's thrown into jail, ultimately to be raised into a position of leadership within the kingdom. And so what do we see in Genesis 50, 15 through 21? When Joseph's brothers have come back and they see their father's dead, they said to one another, if Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph, please forgive your brother's transgression and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of, of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. He says to them, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So here's what I want you to understand is that there are times in your life where evil things are happening to you, bad things are happening to you, your fault or someone else's, and God can work good in those situations. And I want you to understand that when you don't see the good, when that's hard to, you maybe you can hear that and say, I believe that, I see how God has done that, but it's hard to see that right now. That does not make you a bad Christian. 
I don't think Joseph was rejoicing when he was being beaten and thrown into prison, but at the end of it, as God saw him through it, he's able to look back and say, these things that happened to me, God has done a wonderful thing in. He acknowledged the things as evil, but he acknowledged God's good work in the midst of them. But what we have to make sure is that we are doing what it takes to respond appropriately. That when bad things do happen, we actually turn to God and not things in this world. We don't self-medicate. We turn to God to help us in the middle of our troubles. Because no matter what happens, we must remember that God is still good. If you seek Him, I'm confident you will find Him. Because even greater than what God did in Joseph's life, even greater than whatever testimony of God delivering you from something, and something good actually being the result of something bad, the greatest good, the ultimate good that God has done is the gospel. What God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And so we're continuing in this passage in 8.29-34. through 34. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that they would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. What are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He also not with Him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. I want you to think of all of the evil that was present in the work of what Jesus did. And when I say that, think about Judas who betrayed Jesus for some silver. Think about the Pharisees who wanted to see the one crucified because it threatened their authority. Think about Pilate who, though he found no fault in him, refused to do what was right and had him crucified anyway. People were doing evil things to Jesus. There were people who had evil intention and evil motives. They thought that they were prevailing. But this is the ultimate good that God has done because though they meant these things for evil, God has done the ultimate good through it and through the work of Christ reconciled us to Himself. That though they despised him and rejected him and crucified him, God raised him from the dead. And he is also at the right hand of God and intercedes, is going to God on our behalf so that the sin that we have that put him there could be forgiven. So that sinners like us, who were the reason for Jesus having to come in the first place because He loved us. He made a way for us to be saved. All the evil intentions of the ones who were putting Him there on the cross physically and our sin putting Him there as He dies for our sin, through this evil that is present, God is doing the greatest good thing that He's ever done so that whoever would believe might be saved. 
And so we have to remember that in the hardship that we face, the greatest good thing cannot be undone. What God has done for us in Jesus Christ, He has done, He has accomplished, it is finished, it cannot be undone. Romans 8, 35-39. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the worst thing we've done, our sin, crucifying the Son of God, because our, the Son of God going to the cross because of our sin, people putting them there in their evil intentions, God does the greatest good thing, and through that we have the opportunity to be saved. And this salvation that we have in Christ cannot be taken from us for anything. Whether, no matter if you face the worst thing that could happen, it's not taking God's love from you. It's not separating you from Christ. No matter whether you see the end of your hardships in this life, whether you ever see, like, like, Josh, like, 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 like Joseph did, how the, the good thing happened out of the evil, whether you realize it, understand it or not, no one can take the love of God from you. If you have understood your sinfulness, if you have, have understood and believed that Jesus died for you and was raised again and now is seated at the right hand of God, intercedes for you, and you've confessed Him as your Lord and Savior, if you have been saved, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And so no matter what you face, on your worst day, that's still true. And on your best day, that's still the best thing that's true. The very best thing that can ever happen to you is that you can be made right with God. And no matter what anyone does, that's not going away. And so what I want to challenge you to do today is to, to look at your life. to Think about what hard things you've overcome. And here, here's the challenge. First off, do you know Jesus this morning? Do you have that confidence that God loves you, has saved you, and no one can take it from you? Because even if you lack that confidence, I think it's important that you talk to someone about it. Because you should have that confidence. Maybe you've, you, you've I feel like I've, I believe those things, but you don't have the confidence. Talk to somebody. Talk to me. Talk to someone you know that can trust, you can trust to help walk you through that. But maybe you're here today, you're like, I've heard these things, but I've never believed that in that way. I've never given my life to Christ. I've never asked Him to save me, to forgive me. I want to believe. Today is the day to do that. But most of you in here, I know you've done that. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do with your hardship. Do you turn to God? Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Is that where you go for your hardships? Is that where you go for your difficulty, knowing that God can work good from the worst situation. That He can do good things in the middle of bad things. Let me ask you this. This is a hard one. Because this is an uncomfortable one. Are you allowing the things that God has 
brought you through to be things that He uses to help others in your life. I told you that a lot of this, this series about God's will for me is about stewardship, God, things that God has given you, how you use those things in your life. Are you stewarding your hardships? It's a hard thing to think about. Are you taking the things that God has brought you through, revealed to you, and helping others with those things? Are you helping to guide someone in a way that you wish someone had guided you? Are you looking to bless people through what God has blessed you and how He's helped deliver you through hard times? How are you doing with that? But no matter where you are, no matter what you're dealing with or what you have dealt with, remember today that God's love for you can never be taken by anything in this life or any other power that's beyond us. That it, Satan has no power over taking God's love from you. I want you to remember and rest in that truth. And I want to challenge you to respond as God is working in your life today. The altar will be open. If you have need for prayer, I'll be down front. If you have need for prayer or you have a decision you would like to make in some way, move as God moves in your life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank You for this day You've given us, this time that we can come together and worship You and remember those who've served You that are no longer with us. And God, I pray that today would be a day that we rejoice that they are with You, we rejoice over what we've had from that we, we don't grieve like the world is grieved because we have a hope. And God, I pray that as we respond to you now, you would help us to look at our lives, to look at what we go through, and that we would turn to you only, that we would turn to you for our refuge in hard times. And God, I pray that no matter what we face, we would always remember that the greatest thing you've done for us is the salvation available through Christ, and there is not a single thing that can happen that can take that from us. Help us to remember that truth. Help us to live that truth. Help us to take that truth to those who are lost and without hope in this world. To share our faith with them. To tell them about this great love that You've given us so that they too might be saved and then can have this confidence. I pray that You would move within us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. We hope this sermon has been a blessing to you today. If you have any questions about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you through our church Facebook page, email, or by calling the church office.